Hello, and welcome to The Unconventional Path, entrepreneurship and innovation stories and ideas. I'm Bela Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Today, we're joined by Taryn Kalmayer. Taryn is the founder of Remote Team Wellness. This is a startup that provides live digital wellness coaching and retreats and workshops to companies and corporate clients. Bela, this sounds really interesting. I mean, wellness is a really important topic right now, and this kind of notion of digital wellness is really important with all the Zoom meetings and working from home and all these things that people are struggling with. Um, I have a lot of empathy for this. So I'm really excited to hear Taryn's story. Let's jump right to the interview. Hello, listeners. Bela here. Uh, today we have a wonderful guest for the show, Taryn Kalmayer. Uh, she is uh, South African-American, and she is the CEO and founder of the world's first virtual corporate wellness company. Now, that sounds like really something special. Welcome to the show, Taryn. Thank you so much for having me, Bela. It's a, such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great. So let me uh, ask you a question. If you're at a social event, and so a non-work-related social event, and you get introduced to somebody, and after the introduction, they say to you, so nice to meet you, Taryn. What do you do? How do you answer that question? It's such a good question, and I've been working on this answer. And usually I would say to that question that I am the founder of a corporate wellness agency that helps companies to take better care of their teams remotely. Oh, that's a great answer. So what is a virtual corporate wellness company? <laughs> A virtual corporate wellness company. So it's actually something that we pioneered um, started at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we j I just saw so many opportunities and so much space in the corporate wellness market for virtual services so that companies could really, again, start to take better care of their, their team members, their teammates, especially as we were going through such unprecedented and stressful times. Um, so a, a virtual corporate wellness agency is basically a live virtual solution for companies to give live sessions, um, virtual workshops, and virtual retreats to their, their team members to keep them well and to keep them engaged. Yeah. So is this a, a service that your company provides? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we're a full we're a full scale solution. We're very bespoke and it really depends on, um, on our clients. But yeah, our services are very much about providing live virtual wellness services. Cool. So give me an example of something uh, that would be uh, one of your offerings. So we do virtual retreats. We have a we have a few a few offerings at the moment. Actually, we do live virtual retreats, which can be half day or full day experiences, and those basically entail two to three wellness practitioners coming in to talk to the team um, on a on a kind of like retreat basis. So whether it's time taken out of the workday or time on a weekend, uh, the team has an opportunity to come together and really just um, spend some time doing some movement practices or learning about how to get better sleep or how to avoid burnout or um, whatever it is that the team really wants to focus on, that's really what the, the, the virtual retreat would be themed around. Another one of our services are monthly sessions, and those are more regular sessions where we just, we tend to switch up and theme the months with different things. So, say April, April is Stress Awareness Month, and um, so all of their all of their content and all of their session will be themed around stress. Uh, so, those are just kind of how we break our services up. So, we do virtual events and then also um, virtual virtual monthly services as well. Great. So, are all the participants virtual then? So, everyone's sort of on some type of conferencing system. 
Yeah, for the time being, that is just what we're having to work with. That's just the way that the world is at the moment. Definitely, we're really excited for when things are a little bit freer and we're looking to launch in-person corporate retreats and team building retreats here in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Um, that'll be rolling out probably toward the end of the year, 2021. So that's something we're really excited about for when in-person is possible again. But for now, everyone is virtual. Yeah, so in my in my long career, uh, uh, I have been on some corporate retreats mm. and, and they typically involved, uh, you know, going to some place, uh, sometimes a very nice place like mm. Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> and, and, you know, there was this mix of sort of social activity and sort of workshops. Mm. And, and so how do you, how do you sort of structure that when, when you have to do this virtually, right? It seems like a huge challenge. Mm, yeah, look, it has definitely, it's definitely been a challenge. Um, and the, those retreats have really taught us a lot about what most companies are needing. I can definitely tell you there's a lot of need around mental health and mental health and wellness, um, and also like burnout and stress prevention. So for those retreats, it's very much centered around um, experiences. So like a little bit of some, something that's a little bit experiential, so that there's that engaging element. So it doesn't just feel like a zoom meeting, to have people doing something that's, you know, that's actually Actually engaging them at home while they have you know all the distractions of home is is a challenge in itself um, but we really find that being able to include you know experiential elements like movement or meditation or um, learning about the breath or anything like that is a really effective way to actually help the team feel like again they've done something that's more than just showing up and listening to a zoom meeting or listening to a kind of traditional sage on stage presentation um, and so, um, from so from there, we're we're really looking at all the ways we can make our sessions as immersive as possible. Does that make sense? Oh, ab- absolutely, and, and and it's a real challenge. I mean, I can remember on those retreats, even when we're all physically in the same room, it's a challenge to get people to sort of relax and let their guard down and engage in some new, unfamiliar activity. So I yeah. can and and you know, have, being a, a former professor, where I taught a fair number of classes online. Uh, it's really a challenge to get people to engage. So mm-hmm. uh, especially as the group gets larger, right? If you have a group mm-hmm. of five or 10, it's a little easier. At least I found uh, mm-hmm. it's it's harder for someone to hide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but as you start getting up in size, it's really a challenge. So what techniques do you guys use to kind of to draw people out and to get them to engage? Yeah, definitely. So we usually like to we usually like to ask questions. So whether it's polling or whether it's like actually the practitioner asking questions and asking people for feedback and to interact with them. Also, we find Q and A's to be extremely engaging. So we had a session, for instance, of a hundred people um, just yesterday, and it was so amazing because we had. 30 minutes of just random people um, unmuting themselves and speaking, turning their video on and saying hi to the groups and, and just asking questions about what had been presented in the session. And I think it's because the information is so relevant um, and so important to, again, what, what people are actually going through and actually experiencing. It's not just, you know, some, some activity for the sake of doing an activity. It's something that's actually really pressing for, for wellness. So, um, for life, well, overall life wellness. And so we find that 
by making it relevant, by making it something that people are really interested in that actually has some kind of impact on them. And they want to engage with that content more. We also had a comment from someone on that same call saying that it's really difficult to keep joining all of these Zoom meetings um, and just have everyone with their cameras off. Because then just like you had, you and I had said before we started this chat, it's really difficult to get those you know, those, those cues from um, seeing a person's face and, re and responding to a person's um, just like subtle, subtle um, facial expressions and interactions in that way, rather than, you know, just speaking into a void of, of faceless, faceless images. So I think that being able to have cameras on, being able to also have a live facilitator, that there is that accountability to show up for is also a really um, important thing that helps with our engagement rates. Yeah, very nice. That makes a lot of sense. I can imagine that with what's going on now with COVID, people working remotely, uh, and the stress that's involved, uh, not just in working remotely, but life in general now because of the whole COVID thing, the notion of sort of wellness is is top of mind to a, a, a lot of people. Uh, 100%. What have you seen over the last year as far as challenges that individuals are having with sort of wellness? Mm. Uh, definitely mental health and wellness has been the biggest challenge that, um, that I've heard. Uh, men, and just also, I think, the idea of working from home is sometimes a little bit more appealing in theory than it is in practice. Um, so, you know, working remotely in general is a really sometimes lonely space, especially if you're if you're at home alone or you don't necessarily have that social interaction, you don't have um, outside interaction. So you're just isolated to being at home and then you also have the added pressure of being online and being available all of the time as well. So that's really, firstly, there's something that really does impact on mental health. Um, and really being able to separate your home space from your workspace is something that I've heard so many people say is that there's that, that um, really intense way of finding the boundaries between what can come in for work and what is home, what, what is home stuff. So I think just people adjusting to that step, obviously it's still gonna take a while. I don't think remote work is going anywhere, especially after so many companies have realized the benefits of their, their employees working remotely, but to make it sustainable, there has to be that element of how people are taking care of themselves outside of the working environment. And if, if mental health is an issue, it's just not going to be a sustainable long-term um, long term move for most people. So that's why I think this is so important for wellness to be top of mind and for wellness to really actually be a priority for companies. Um, and that's really, and that's really, I guess we're going to see more, more uptake of that and more acceptance and um, general, yeah, general acceptance from, from most companies in the next few years, especially as we really ease into this transitional phase of remote working. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for me, uh, when I work remotely, I work at home, I need the structure of a separate room I go to, I close the yeah. door, and I'm like in my office. I, <laughs> I, I need those boundaries. Uh, it, yeah. it just works better for me. And, and without it, if I'm trying to sit on the couch and do it in the living room, it just doesn't work for me. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Fair enough. And I don't think it works for a lot for a lot of people because there's there's just not that same routine of, you know, having an office space to go to. And then, then that breaks up the the routine of actually focusing on one task and you get distracted very easily by all of the 
the things that are in your home that are just just naturally sure. distracting. Yeah. yeah. And it took me a while to figure that out. You know, it, it took me a while of kind of trying it and trying it in different ways that mm -hmm. I find, OK, this is what works for me. So is this challenge uh, uh, more difficult for small companies or large companies, or is it kind of independent of company size? It's a good question. I think probably a little bit more challenging for larger companies to really check in on an individual level with their people. Um, and that's that's been uh, quite an issue for, for a lot of larger companies that most large companies have come to us with that they can't. They can't check in on everybody. They can't facilitate for everybody or make concession for everybody to know that they're doing well. So to have like a, a person to check in is, I think, the next step for most companies to ha actually have a resource on their team that has, you know, office hours and um, and as is like a, a point for mental health and wellness or a point for just being able to just being able to check in with you know individuals on that kind of basis i think that's a really a big step and that's actually a service that we provide too to install a part-time like fractional staff member that is wellness focused and wellness first onto the team so that there is that person in that point of reference so yeah i i think it's a pro it is a problem for all companies regardless of the size because if there's not that contact person that is checking in it's really difficult to make sure that everyone's doing okay yeah yeah you know as, as you were saying that i'm thinking about the the personality of the company uh mm. sort of you know they're all different uh, but but some companies are very have a large social element to what they do. Yeah. I'll say pre-COVID, right? They'd go <laughs> out after work for a meal yeah. or drinks or have a softball team or whatever. So not only did they have sort of the the support of a workplace, but social also played a huge role in that. Uh, so not only being together during the day, but being together after work, I'll say. Now, all of that's been blown up. Uh, yeah. So what techniques, you know, can a company use in, in addition to sort of thinking about these workshops and things, but are there mm -hmm. things that small companies can do or large companies can do to sort of help try to engage people outside of a, a retreat, right? Because th this is a retreat's kind of like getting the vaccine, but you need boosters along the way, right? <laughs> you, need to, you need to take vitamins every day. You need to take, you know wellness yes. vitamins every day and so how, how, how does one do that are there are there things that people can do yeah i definitely think that there are like virtual events that companies can host like that are outside of working hours that kind of serve as you know like their happy hour time hosting a virtual happy hour allowing everyone to come and just you know have a forum a space to chat and connect outside of work there are so many teams that you know are taking on and hiring more people and you know they're not even really getting to meet their team members in person ever um, and so I think being able to hold those kinds of real social events and you know we, we also we, we also accommodate other types of wellness services not just workshops we facilitate like gameplay um, adult recess and adult nap time and those are really engaging services to give give people a reason to be um, connected for something other than just their work yeah yeah mm -hmm. so what does a typical engagement look like? So if I'm a if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm an entrepreneur or a CEO and and I want to OK, I'm going to call up Taryn. So kind of take me through that process of what that's like. 
So basically, from for, if, if anyone were interested in working with us, our sales manager would basically have a call to find out about your organization, what you've done in the past, your wellness initiatives, if you've been remote in the past, and just kind of gauge where your company's at and what the goals for the wellness program are and would be. Um, and so from there, we can build out a really comprehensive proposal and plan to to install a wellness program into the company um, and basically when when we when we start an engagement we usually again either start with a virtual retreat which helps the company to get a little bit of a taster of a few different experiences a few different workshops to know what people engage with the most what they want to see most and then that helps us to again plan monthly sessions so that's usually how we like to start our engagement starting with a virtual retreat that has a few more facilitators and then we go into monthly sessions that get quite specific um, at just based on company needs but if, if companies just want to start working with us then we can just start with a monthly session monthly sessions based on their focuses as well and we vary our sessions as well so that everyone gets a little bit of a taste of something different because not everyone is going to resonate with yoga not everyone's going to resonate with you know mindfulness or NLP or emotional intelligence or any of those things but there is something for everyone and that's what that's really why our service is so so customized. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and and talk a little bit more about Taryn the entrepreneur starting a business and sort of what that journey's been like. So yeah. sort of did, did you have a moment of clarity in the shower or something where you said, "You know what? I'm going to start this business and this is what I'm going to do" or sort of talk to us about that journey? Yeah. Look, it has definitely been an interesting journey. I think I I I actually did a post about this the other day. Pretty much since I understood the concept of work, I knew that I wanted to own my own business. Um, and I knew that I wanted to be my own boss. And that's been something that's been um, a part of my life throughout my life. Yeah, so, so were, your, were your parents entrepreneurs? Did they own business or...? My parents were actually missionaries. They were not business people at all. They were not entrepreneurial. They were not. They were not of that mind in the slightest. But it actually, they actually really inspired and encouraged me to be this way. Um, and my, my my parents were always very much about foresight and um, and no and also being able to take care of myself. So I I do credit them for being the entrepreneur that I am, but I didn't necessarily get my entrepreneurial spirit from them. Um, so. Well, how this came about, how this part of my entrepreneurial journey came about is I was basically locked down in South Africa. The borders closed and I couldn't I couldn't reunite with my partner who um, who was in America. And so I, I was basically and, and also all of the engagements that I had planned because I was doing in person team building retreats, in person wellness programs for hotels and resorts. And those engagements that I, I had planned for 2020 had all of a sudden disappeared overnight and I couldn't leave the country. So it, it kind of came to me realizing like, okay, so a lot of people are going through stress and, um, and my partner and I were separated. So I would facilitate um, meditation sessions for him virtually because again, we were stressed about being apart. He was stressed about his business also kind of falling apart. And so I facilitated these sessions for him and him being the incredible marketer that he is, he said, I think there's space to do this for companies and really more space than just you facilitating the sessions. I think this could be a full scale service and like a really comprehensive solution. If you were to, you know, call upon the incredible network of facilitators that I've met over my time in the wellness industry. Um, and then, and also just, um, and also just to, 
create a network of facilitators in general to be able to to be able to service corporate clients is not something that I saw and I did a lot of research into the corporate wellness space and there just wasn't this there just wasn't any of the any of this talked about really in that space the corporate wellness space in the past has traditionally been more about cessation and prevention and you know like um walk step step programs and challenges and all of these things that make changes yes but in the long term don't necessarily help with you know extremely stressful and unprecedented events so so yeah so that's pretty much how the how this came about we decided that there was just space in the corporate the corporate wellness industry there's space in the virtual industry because both of us are remote workers we're, we're remote workers anyway and so we decided to come together and bring both of our superpowers together, him with marketing, me with wellness, and create something that can help so many companies. Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah. you've been around uh, about a year, I would guess, or close to it? Yeah, yeah And, and uh, how are things going? Absolutely incredible. It's been, it's been such an interesting journey, to be honest with you. Like, it's been a year of pivoting, a year of listening and listening has been the most important thing because listening to our clients has been the, the thing that has helped us to build out our service and make it what it is right now. Um, and that's and that's been an amazing journey. And I'm really grateful for all of the clients that we've had, the amazing the amazing team that I've also been able to build in in creating what we've created so far. And just to see the potential and the partnerships that we we've we've built, the um, the amazing the amazing clientele that we've built up. It's really, it's really, there's so much more space. I, I just see no sign of slowing down and no sign of, of really, um, of stopping anytime soon because this, this really has no ceiling. People really need to know more about taking care of themselves. And I think for the longest time, I thought all of this was just common knowledge because it was my knowledge. Um, but it, it's, it's been, it's been a real, it's been a real blessing to actually expand that and open up to see how this could really impact a lot of organizations. Yeah, that's wonderful. What's been the, what's been the biggest surprise to you for in the past 12 months on this journey? How many companies are still quite resistant to it? You know, it's been a surprise to me how many companies say they don't need it. Um, and and they, these are mostly companies that have never done any wellness initiatives in the past. The, the companies that say they don't need it, the companies that are very much like, we have an autonomous workplace and everyone needs to take care of themselves. And it's that's been surprising to me, for sure, because that, that way of thinking, I don't think really fits into what has happened. Um, and so that's been an interesting thing to see how, obviously, there, there is like a lot that happened with with the covid the covid situation um and there was a lot of there is a lot of change a lot of loss a lot of grief around what happened um and i think i think obviously it's it's actually not that surprising that people have a harder time letting go of what used to be um but it's just surprising how it almost stops them from moving into something that could be so much more potent not even even setting aside taking care of their their employees the yeah. foundation business but something that could be so you know exponentially beneficial to their bottom line um is yeah it's just that is surprising to me yeah, yeah. And, and you know so you've you've built a virtual business that's mm -hmm. dealing with customers that are in a virtual space uh with with uh employees or staff that are virtual um mm -hmm. and you've done this during the whole covid time so in all of that, what's what's sort of been the biggest challenge 
what what has been you know like oh my gosh i never thought this part of it would be this difficult managing people yeah <laughs> managing people virtually it is a, it's a challenging thing managing people in general is a is a challenging thing but managing people virtually um is really really quite challenging i mean we have a very results driven workplace and a results driven work work uh setting so we don't necessarily have set work hours and and we we expect we don't expect our team to be available all the time nothing like that but to be able to really manage you know we have we have contractors around the world and we have people that work for us around the world our web developers in norway our um our team our team our customer sales manager is in in detroit i mean in in denver our <laughs> our um our design person is in india like it's there we have a lot of things happening so managing time zones and managing clients and people has definitely been a challenge that we've had to we've had to find ways to automate and then also so and also you know just processes for checking in with each other um and that's that's it's been it's been challenging but it's been great because i mean those challenges are happy challenges and it's just figuring out how we make this something that works for us because yeah. i mean that that's what technology is for it's to here to work for us so um and i i really believe in using technology in the in the way using technology rather than allowing it to use me so um in you in that way i i really rely on my technological uh programs and things to help with that management process and operational process yeah and and mm -hmm. do you if you look out into your crystal ball into the future um and we get covid sort of under control uh, mm -hmm. i'm not sure what control means um yeah. but uh we get it better than it is now let's say uh do you see uh, the world or, or your world, do you see your customers sort of wanting still to have virtual engagements or do you see them wanting to go back to uh, sort of in-person activities? That's a really good question. It's an interesting question. A lot of our company, a lot of the companies that we're working with, at least at the moment, have been remote before. Um, and then we have a couple of remote, re newly remote customers that are like, well, we don't really see any need to go back. And that's from the decision makers. And so in, in that vein, I think that probably if people do choose to go back, that's, that's fine. And that's great for them. We are always going to be a remote service. So we will always be able to facilitate those services virtually, whether the team decides to be in the office or the team decides to continue working from home or wherever they want to work from. Basically, our service is that you can work, we take better care of teams so that they can work better virtually. Got it. Um, yeah, and so the winner, wherever they choose to be and wherever they choose to work from, that's where we can help them, where we can service them. Yeah, very nice. Uh, I think one more question and then we'll, we'll start wrapping this up. So uh, did you self-fund this business or did you raise capital? No, we self completely self-funded this business, and it's been such an interesting journey too because we've been attracting a lot of investment, um, a lot of investment um, potential for the last couple of months, and had a lot of really interesting conversations with investors that we we that came inbound, um, and we haven't necessarily sought out. And it's really, it's just really amazing to see how many people are interested in the space, and there are a lot of eyes, especially in investment, on the space. Um, but for the moment, this investment's not necessarily something we need or that we're looking for. We've been very, very blessed to be profitable month on month. So it's been it's been a very um, a very good a very good thing for us to actually just self funded and work it work out um, how we do this 
from our own from our own standpoint before we take on an outside investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I if I put my venture my former venture capitalist hat on, uh, <laughs> I always said the best way to raise money is to sell your product or service. <laughs> yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Like the venture capitalist is like the you know the last resort, and and I'm a former <laughs> venture capitalist, so it's okay for me to say that. <laughs> Yeah. So you, you, yeah, you can say that for sure. Yeah. Well, Terry, go ahead. Mind. Thank you. <laughs> go ahead. I didn't. I didn't hear what you said. Say that again. I said, I said I'm going to keep that one in mind. Thank you for that wisdom. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can raise money from mm-hmm. from your customers, that's the best mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And 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 then you and then when you go out into the capital markets to to raise capital, you're, you're sort of thinking about it differently, right? You're taking a th- totally different perspective. You're not raising the capital because I'm trying to stay alive for another 12 months. Yes. You're raising that capital because I know I can stay alive. Now I'm trying to figure out how to grow or I'm trying to enter a new market or Bela, a fascinating new interview. or introduce I mean, I a new product Tara or something. Taryn right? found it's, a it's, niche it's that existed before COVID, so right? The need to provide great. wellness support yeah. because there was well, remote workers. Sounds like you've built a wonderful business, Taryn. Well uh, thank you very much for being but, on the show. You know, it's really uh, I really appreciate the conversation we had. It was wonderful. In the last year. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a great time to spend time with you and have this conversation. What struck you most about your conversation with Taryn and this we will make sure I will make sure to put company information in the show notes. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting have a way of reaching out and discussion I had with her. Amazing. That's fantastic. COVID forced a pleasure. Uh, Pre-COVID. You're welcome. Take care. I think uh, the vast majority of these uh, wellness and team building uh, types of uh, organizations uh, and retreats were sort of all in person, right? As her and I talked in, in the, during our call, uh, we, you would go someplace. Oftentimes, I can remember doing these when I worked for IBM and GE. Uh, you would go to someplace as a group, and then there would be a facilitator there, and you do certain exercises to build trust and relationships and a wellness and feeling good about yourself and your business, et cetera. And, and all of a sudden, you can't do these in person anymore. So I, I think you know it really forces you to sort of rethink your whole business. Now, how can I provide these types of things uh, in, in a totally different way? My delivery has to change. And, and I think that's, a, that's something that most businesses never think about uh, until they have to. Uh, and I think this was, uh, you know, uh, it really, for, COVID forced a lot of businesses uh, to either figure out how to adapt and, and, and rethink their delivery mechanisms um, or they went out of business. And uh, I also think that it, on the plus side here, COVID created a huge need for a lot of these things. You know, when you go to work, uh, I don't know about you, Mike, but uh, well, this is how we met, right? I mean, we worked at the same place uh, and we would go into each other's office and we chit chat for a while. And there's a social element to that. There was a business element to that. Um, and it's much more difficult to have those sort of chit chat type conversations when, uh, you know, you're in one place and I'm in a different place. And, and all of a sudden we're working remotely. Uh, so there's this need for sort of wellness, checking in to making sure people are doing okay. Uh, there's social needs that that work provided for them still being met in some way. Uh, after all, we all sort of are, most of us are sort of, uh, to some extent, social animals, as I've heard people say. Uh, so I think COVID was a blessing and, and a, a curse here uh, in, 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 in many ways. Uh, so I think it's, it's uh, a great example of, of adaptability that all entrepreneurs have to have. 
Uh, she's clearly a, a you know a opportunity recognition is an element of of what she has the ability to recognize an opportunity for this wellness stuff, and then this ability to adapt uh, to changing customer needs or to changing environments to changing forces that interact on all businesses uh, and and quickly adapt uh, those to that. So I, I thought uh, she did quite well. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I agree, Bill. I mean. I, you know, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but a lot of people in my family have struggled with mental health issues. A lot of my friends have had mental health crises at different points of their life. Uh, a lot of my students have struggled with mental health issues. So it's something that I'm really sensitive to uh, I, I, and, and something I see regularly in my, in my friends and my coworkers and my colleagues. And I think it's great that there are and – I, and I guess in, in COVID, I've seen a lot of people – have these pressures exacerbated, especially when they're out of their routines. As you said, their social networks become frayed. Some people I know are having money issues or health issues. They've lost a loved one to to COVID um, or they've lost their loved one to something else, but they couldn't have a funeral and things like this. So many things, countless Bela, um, that are that are weighing on people who um, who have had bad luck, bad fortune um, with this whole disease. So, you know, I think that that the ability for companies to say, yeah, the mental health of our, com- of our employees is super important and we don't have the traditional ways of reaching out to them. And this is a way that, 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 she, can, that, she, that she can provide a need. So I think it's fantastic. But here's my question, right? Is, is this niche that she's found still going to be there after the pandemic is hopefully over soon, right? Um, or you think she's going to have to pivot back to live corporate wellness, uh, or which is, I think, is something of a crowded space. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a good question, Mike, and 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 I think um, remote work is gonna is gonna remain. I I think uh, people have figured out that yes, it's possible. Uh, yes, there's advantages to it. Uh, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a hybrid model. Uh, where uh, the, the the percentage of people working remotely uh, compared post COVID compared to pre COVID, I think is going to be larger. Uh, it's just going to be. I think people have figured out it's okay to do it that way. Uh, but I think from her business perspective, she's going to have to provide both because I think her customers are going to dictate what they want, and I can see how some companies and corporations are going to want to do the traditional. Uh, in-house or, you know, retreat-like wellness activities, uh, and others are going to want to do it remotely. And and some of that's going to have to depend on their worker makeup, uh, et cetera. And I think that, uh, so Taryn's going to, I think the ratio of, you know, live, uh, in, in-person versus remote, I think is going sh- to change and shift as time goes on. But I think both elements are going to be there. And I think this is a valuable point for other businesses. You know, if, if you're in a business now and you're doing a, a certain amount of your transactions are, you know, takeout or online, uh, they may go down post-COVID, but they're still going to be there. They're not going away. They're not going to zero. So you're going to have to figure out how to have more dimensions to your business uh, going forward. That's that's what I think. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things I think that people have had to figure out is how to engage people in a digital setting. 
right? Whether that's through Zoom meetings or through podcasts or through apps or through web or through delivery or contactless pickup, whatever it is, right? We've all, I, I, every business I think has had some sort of challenge relating to engaging in a digital set, setting because so many of our behaviors have changed. Um, and you're right. I think that it's not going to go fully snap back to the way things work because these trends were happening before COVID. You've heard me say this a bunch of times, right? That all of this stuff was happening before COVID. COVID just sped it up. So I don't think we're going back too far uh, back to the quote unquote good old days, which I'm not sure are good, but I just know knowing how old I feel old. But, um, you know, I, I think that that these challenges of engagement digitally are, are going to be the key. Are there some general patterns that you see, Bela? Um, as companies are taking experiences that were in-person kind of pre-COVID and making them digital? That's a good question, Mike. I, I don't know. This is, this is still an emerging space. Well, in some ways, it's an emerging space. And I, I mean, think about online shopping. I mean, there's a great example of something that used to be personal and now has grown into, I don't know what it is, 50, 60% is online shopping. So we figured out. It took us, it took us 20 years. Actually, it took longer than that. Sears, if you remember yeah, Sears, the way absolutely. they started back in the 30s, <laughs> they had the Sears catalog, right? That was online shopping. It wasn't, it wasn't via your telephone. Uh, it was on a piece of paper that you put in the mail. But online shopping existed for a long time. And, and it met the needs of a, a small percentage of the population. And, it, it, you know, Sears built its, its, its whole brand, part of its brand on sort of remote little storefronts where you could order stuff and pick it up four or five days later for rare, you know, for kind of remote locations that didn't have big metropolitan areas. So it's been around a long time. LL Bean built a big business on mail order. Um, we used to, we used to call it mail order in those days and now it's called online. So it's been around a long time, but I think it's increased in it's increased, right? The percentage of that business has, has kept growing as a percentage of total, uh, transactions. And, and so I, I think this sort of ability to do a richer engagement uh, with people, that's, you know, when you order something online, it's not very personable. It's, it's very transactional. Whereas the things that we're talking about here are much more looking people in the eyes, engaging with people in a rich way, uh, and figuring out how to do that um, I think we're still learning. I think we're still sort of developing the right blend of technology and, you know, tools that enable us to do that in a meaningful way. You know, everyone's gotten tired of Zoom meetings. And at first we were all excited about them. And then sort of it's slowly emerged that, boy, for doing certain things, these Zoom meetings are awful. I'm not picking on Zoom, but sort of video, video meetings. Uh, and, and for doing other things, they're perfect. They work just great. So we, you know, we have to sort of blend that and, and migrate that. So I think it's still an emerging space. And I think uh, it'll get better over time. Uh, but the way that we inter, we clearly need to interact. The way that we interact changes as technology enables us to interact in sort of different modalities and across different distances. Yeah, and that's Terrence's challenge exactly right now to say, okay, what is digital wellness right better at than face-to-face -face wellness? Okay, capture that, and then when we switch back, maybe hopefully soon to a little more face-to-face, -face, 
what can she do face to face and how can she join those together to offer a really cool hybrid solution? I think that'll allow her to keep her edge, right? Moving forward in the post COVID world, right? Her business was founded in a COVID kind of uh, need, right? An unmet need, an unmet opportunity. And then she can continue it by kind of figuring out, as you said, Bela, to figure out the best of both worlds and build a business around that moving forward and adapt to what the different customers' needs are. If one company has 40% online workers and 60% in-person, how can she use these this model to bring them together and to serve their needs, right? I think there's lots of space there, and she seems like a really creative person to be able to kind of figure that out and move forward. So I think that's cool. Let me ask you about Taryn's founding story. Do you, would you call this a conventional path or an unconventional path? Well, I think every founding story that I've heard is unconventional. I, yeah, I, there, there, there's, they're, they're, they're all unique. They're all different. They have some fundamental elements to them. Uh, and as with many things uh, that, that we in, encounter in life, it's about connections. It's about engagements. It's about people you bump into sort of along your path. And, and, and f- when you make, when you bump into different people, you you engage you decide to engage or not engage based on all sorts of variables and who knows what they are, uh, and you find out that when you engage, uh, you have one engagement, you have it a second one and a third one, and before you know it, you're in business together, <laughs> and and uh, or you're doing you know a project together, sort of like you and I, right? We 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 sort of bumped into each other, we had a couple cups of coffee, and now we're doing two podcasts, <laughs> so uh, it's it's sort of. Uh, it's what you do with those engagements and those connections, I think, is the key. And I think that's, what's, that's what sex, successful entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs understand how to do. And I think Taryn is one of those. She, she, she grasps those connections and those, those engagements, and, and she builds on them. And I think that's a fundamental skill set that good, successful entrepreneurs have. Yeah, so conventional skills, unconventional path is the way I'd frame this. And I thought this was really a interesting story. And uh, this is a company to keep an eye on, I think, in the future. And Taryn's an entrepreneur to keep an eye on in the future. I agree, Mike. I agree. What do you think? We wrap this one up? Let's do it. So, listeners, thanks again for joining us today. We hope you found the episode interesting and thought-provoking. As usual, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And please do hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application if you haven't already. Uh, So until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Thanks, Bela, from over here in Münster, Germany. Auf Wiedersehen.